politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight back against the insurrection, against our rights, our liberty, and our property. This is the hub for organizing for liberty. Your host, Daniel Hurwitz, back in the house today. It is January 6, 2022. And obviously, a lot of people today are going to be talking about January 6, 2021. Normally, I would ignore it because it's all an effort to distract from their insurrection against our rights, which began not in January 6th, but March 2020 and continues today. It's funny, you'll hear people wax poetically about a threat to democracy, an attack on democracy. Well, the biggest attack on democracy is having executive figures, be they governors, mayors, and the president, ruling over our lives, our bodies, reinstating the Fourth Reich or instituting the Fourth Reich without due process. That is really where we are. But I do believe there is a need to discuss January 6th from our perspective, from what really happened, and what is going on today with political prisoners being persecuted for, depending on who we're talking about, either did nothing wrong or did very nebulous crimes of trespassing public property, and they are being held without bail indefinitely for a year in solitary confinement while the worst murderers are let out. Folks, the reason why it's important to discuss January 6th is because what that did, it's not, it's not anything our people did. It's not to say that not a single person on the right did anything wrong in any way that day. But in totality, now that the fog of war has cleared, we know just like COVID, it didn't just come out of nowhere. It was orchestrated. This event was orchestrated as well. So we're going to have Julie Kelly on in a few minutes. She is really the expert on January 6th. She has done to that issue what I've done on COVID fascism and uh, just done a terrific job tracking the legal side of this, the political persecutions, um, really what actually happened that day. So we're going to delve into it. But what it represents is the fact that we entered an era of unrestricted warfare, that the other side will do anything in their power to induce a blood libel, accuse us of doing what they're doing, and then use that as a Reichstag moment. Right, The Reichstag moment is in 1933. That was when uh, the Nazis orchestrated the attack on their Congress and then used that to basically criminalize the opposition, criminalize freedom of speech. And that's what they've done. If you remember in those ensuing days, <clears throat> they basically sent the FBI around to hunt down any human, human being that was using their First Amendment rights to protest, including people that never even went in the building. And again, remember, it is the United States Congress. We had hundreds of thousands of people who trespassed private pro property, looted, burned. Nothing ever happened to them. We have all these people that rioted when Trump was inaugurated three years earlier. Almost four years earlier, I mean. And charges were dropped. We have people who attacked federal agents in Portland, Oregon. Almost every one of them, charges were dropped. So at first I thought, you know, yeah, you know, it was a rally. A couple people maybe got out of hand. And then the more we learned about it, No. There were so many agent provocateurs that are on video doing the violence, and they're not being prosecuted. Yet people that merely, some of them didn't even go in the building, are, are sitting in solitary confinement for a year. What this demonstrates is if you think COVID fascism can't lead to the rounding up of people, January 6th demonstrates that because that wasn't about violence. That was about if you hold views different from ours and you pursue a different lifestyle than ours you don't deserve to live so we definitely are going to get into that with julie kelly our first sponsor today international living look you know if we ever get persecuted we need a place to uh, run away to 
uh, if you're thinking about buying property in Panama, you'd be up to 10 times richer if you did it there. Panama is a high-income nation, not the dusty third world. It also uses the U.S. dollars as currency, and yet every dollar in your bank account in Panama is worth up to 10 times more than it is in the United States. Um, that's a lot more savings at a time when we have insane inflation. Right now, as a fan of my show, you can learn more about this opportunity by getting the complete Invest and Retire in Panama series, including the American's Guide to Living and Retiring in Panama, along with four videos, all for free. Again, check it out at buypanamanow.com slash conservative. It's 100% free for my audience. Just head over to buypanamanow.com slash conservative. Get your copy. That's buypanamanow.com slash conservative. So I wanted to start off today... <clears throat> And just before we get back to January 6th, so we have this insurrection against our rights. And obviously, if you follow my Twitter account, at RMConservative, you could email me, dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. Every day, more information comes out that affirms that Omicron is literally a nothing. You can't tell the difference between a cold, a flu. Um, you know, right now, I'm, you can hear it in my voice. I'm the last guy in my family <clears throat> to get this cold flu thing. And it's impossible to tell. Everyone in my neighborhood has... Some test negative, some test positive. It's it's the testing is way off. The whole thing's a joke. But to the extent there really is Omicron, every day we see evidence today from Israel that there is negative efficacy to the shots, and yet we ha we have vaccine passports in every major city of the United States now. Certainly in the blue states, it's all over. And tomorrow we're gonna have the Supreme Court uh, hearing. But even that, that's on the federal mandate. There's this blue state mandates, and then even in the red states, the so-called private businesses that aren't private, it's all being manipulated by the feds. And where are the Republicans? Where are they? Nowhere, of course. Barely any action being taken in these state legislatures. That is the real insurrection, the unrestricted warfare, if you'd have it. You know, folks... I've really been thinking about it, and I think January 6th demonstrates that maybe it is time we abolish the police. I'm dead serious. Because I'm telling you, we are headed to a point where our way of life, our views, our essence is, is being criminalized. Well, what do you think they're going to use to enforce that? The FBI at a federal level or the police? Well, if the police aren't going to be used to go after the bad guys, which they're not, then what's the point of having them? What is the point of having the NYPD? You know, the Manhattan DA just announced that he is not going to prosecute armed robbers anymore. He abolished life, or, uh, I mean, he can't abolish statutorily life without parole, but he's not going to seek in his office charges of life without parole, sentencing of life without parole, even for the worst murderers, and barely anyone is he going to pursue jail time for. And yet at the same time, the NYPD is going around undercover, enforcing Pfizer passports on restaurants, dragging five-year-olds out of restaurants. Really, what is the point? I'm telling you, it's only going to be used against us. They don't use it against the bad guys. They drop the charges on all of them. You look at the people who burned down the Minneapolis police station. The worst things they did. At the same time, they turn around and say, oh, this is, this is terrible. But you know what? I mean, obviously the big news of the day yesterday, I'm sure a lot of you have seen that, are disappointed. But you know what? He's kind of been losing his momentum for a long time. Ted Cruz called it a terrorist attack January 6th. So if you want to know why Republicans aren't fighting on the issues that matter at the time they matter and in the way they matter, just look at Ted Cruz. He was supposed to be one of the best ones. Fully buys in to the false flag narrative. Same thing on COVID. Republicans fully buy into it. Oh, the vaccine, the vaccine. What are you talking about? There is no vaccine. Even, even when it was barely working, that was it was made for a different virus. It, it, the virus changed. 
People's lives are being destroyed for nothing. You know, I got I get these heartbreaking emails every day. <clears throat> every day, Americans are being forced to be injected with stuff that it's going to permanently disable them or kill them and not help against the virus and actually make it more likely that they get it worse. For a lie, to paraphrase John Kerry, how do you ask the last man to die for a lie, to get injected for something that literally doesn't work? Every day people's lives are destroyed. You know, I don't want to hear this, oh, the red states are fine. No, they're not. Barely any of them have taken action. Arkansas. Got an email from Andrew. He he worked at Craft Distillery in Little Little Rock, Arkansas for seven years. He was fired for refusing to comply with mandatory vaccination. He had to take, he, you know, cut half his salary, he had to find a new job. He lost his income, his health insurance. He just had a baby. This is happening in Arkansas. How could this happen in America? And yet it happens in red states. So by the way, if, if, if any of you need someone like Andrew, um, you know, he's a whis- whiskey expert specializing in sales and brand management. I know it's kind of a specialty there, but if any of you... Uh, dabble in that and you're looking for a worker let me know email me dhurwitz at blazemedia.com you know just like we tried to take care of each other with the virus and get treatment for each other you know we should do that with jobs we're gonna have to self-separate that's the lesson from covid fascism and january 6th that the other side is launching unrestricted warfare on our way of life they're criminalizing our existence. They're criminalizing our life, liberty, property. They're criminalizing our, our political views. All, by the way, to cover up for the fact that they did steal the election. You know, the only reason why I haven't sp- spoken about stealing the election so much recently is not because I don't believe it was stolen. is because I don't believe that the stolen election is even nearly the worst thing they've done. Like I've said all along. See, look, in a real republic, if you steal an election... Okay, so you get in. You get to decide when the garbage collection comes. You get to decide foreign policy with, you know, certain countries. But in a republic, you don't get to rule over people's lives. Okay? You don't get to rule over people's mouth and nose and body. That's the thing. So a stolen election is not even the issue. It's what they're doing when they're in power. But isn't it interesting they're using this as a weapon to criminalize election integrity? So now you could walk around and say, show me your papers as an American citizen to walk the streets. Show me your Pfizer papers. But you can't ask for a photo ID to ensure election integrity. That's the country we live in. There is not a shred of legitimacy to this country at all. To, the, to, to this country's government. <clears throat> Let's be very clear about that. Another reason, by the way, is message from our friends at Birch Gold. Right now, inflation is at 40-year highs. It's here to stay because uh, the government's dirty little secret is that they actually want it. Inflation rates are higher than the interest on treasury bonds. So every day that passes, the government owes less on its mounting debt. Imagine if your mortgage had a negative interest rate. Think about it. Would you be in a hurry to pay it off? Protect your savings now. Hedge against inflation with gold from Birch Gold. Because the government is sabotaging the value of the U.S. dollar, Birch Gold is the only company I trust and recommend for precious metals. They help convert your eligible IRA or 401k into an IRA backed by real gold. Now, that's peace of mind I could live with with thousands of satisfied customers they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You can trust Birch Gold to help you protect your investment. To find out more, text Daniel to the number 989898. Now to get a no-cost, no-obligation info kit, 20-page guide reveals how gold and silver can protect your savings and to get them under an umbrella of a tax-sheltered account. Text the word Daniel to 989898. That's Daniel to 989898.
Now, as I said at the opening, we're going to have Julie Kelly on to discuss January 6th, and really the two issues, these seminal issues of our time, COVID fascism and January 6th, and really if you want to add in BLM as the third issue of our time of unrestricted warfare, they actually have a similar uh, thread to them in the sense that a lot of conservatives often think that if the left harps on something, it's, it must be false. It's not true. And what I've warned people is it's actually worse than that. It's either not true or it's true and they're behind it. So in other words, what we've learned from COVID is it was a big problem. It was a terrible virus, not for everyone, but it was a synthetic bioweapon and they were behind it and we shouldn't run away from it and deny it. We should, first of all, we've got to treat the virus. We should embrace it. And uh, we need to get get to the bottom of, of who caused this. January 6th is no different. It's not just, yeah, they kind of exaggerated it. It wasn't as bad as they made it out to be. Wait a minute. There was something much bigger going on there. This was almost the biggest entrapment operation around. So there's really two issues here. There is what actually happened and what led up to it. And also, the second half is where we stand now with people languishing in solitary confinement for a year without due process, without bail for nebulous crimes, often uh, no crimes, at a time when we're abolishing bail for violent criminals everywhere. So obviously, no one is more qualified to discuss this than Julie herself. She's a senior writer at American Greatness. Uh, You can follow her at Julie underscore Kelly 2 on Twitter. And here's what's important. You got this is the best book on, on January 6th. She has a book out. You can get it wherever you get books on Amazon. January 6th, how Democrats use the Capitol protest to launch a war on terror against the political right. Julie, thanks so much for joining us on this busy day for you. Daniel, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate your covering my work over the past year. So thanks so much. So in many respects, I wish I'd get you on a different day when we could have a little bit more time because I know you're very tight, kind of back to back today. Um, let's let's divide this in two parts. I want to work backwards. Let's start off with the here and now, where we are a year later. Could you give um, kind of a, t- to those in my audience that haven't been following this really closely, just a synopsis of the numbers and the type of people that are still in prison or in jail a year later and describe the unprecedented conditions that are, that are taking place there. So over the past year, Merrick Garland's justice department, uh, as he was bragging yesterday, this is the unprecedented, unprecedented investigation into the events of January 6th, four hour disturbance. And his justice, his prosecutors have sought what's called pre-trial detention for at least 100 defendants. And this means they're asking the court to deny bail to people who have been arrested, some have been charged, um, because they have been deemed a danger to society for their involvement in the alleged insurrection. Right now, there are about 83 men who are being held under pretrial detention, some who have been there since the middle of January, so we're going up on a year. Uh, being detained. Some, as you point out, are accused of, are charged with nonviolent offenses. This includes silly charges like obstruction of an official proceeding or conspiracy, uh, which many news outlets have already reported based on interviews with anonymous FBI officials that there was no wide-ranging conspiracy. But yet you have several men who are being held Uh, in jails across the country, but most of them together in this D.C. gulag, where they spent the first several months in solitary confinement conditions. They have been physically attacked by guards. They have been um, racially harassed by D.C. jail guards. Um, They've been denied treatment. They've been denied personal grooming. Uh, They have been denied access to their discovery materials. I hear complaints that they have Uh, Defense attorneys have sent their clients discovery months ago that they still have not access. So, of course, clear constitutional violations. But none of this bothers Merrick Garland, who claims he wants to uh, defend our democracy and the Constitution, certainly doesn't bother the consciences of uh, federal judges in the D.C. District Court, everyone from Trump appointees down to Reagan appointees. So you really have this legal judicial system 
in Washington, D.C., from top to bottom, rigged against the more than now 720 defendants who have been charged in the Capitol breach probe. So 720 defendants, 83 still in jail. What are the worst charges among them? Um, Well, the worst charges are attacking police officers. So you've got about 120 defendants out of the 720 who have been charged with um, attacking or assaulting police officers. Now, of course, that's nothing that anyone can defend, um, but it's certainly sort of unprecedented to have men charged with attacking police officers. We certainly saw none of this in 2020, even when it happened on federal property and what happened against federal officers like Lafayette Square in June of 2020, which prompted the lockdown of the White House. No, in that situation, the police were the bad guys. And that prompted at least two congressional hearings talking about what police did to protesters. None of those protesters were hauled up to a special jail where they languished in solitary confinement for a year, 18 months before their trials commenced. No, quite to the contrary, they were not charged Similarly, in some instances where they were, um, the uh, charges were dropped. So those are the most serious charges. About 70 people face various weapons charges. Only a handful face uh, charges related to firearm possession. Of course, no one was arrested or caught that day inside the building carrying a firearm. So it was not an armed insurrection. Most people had things like pepper spray, a few like batons. Some are charged with using flagpoles as weapons. Um, But some people did say that they brought things like pepper spray to defend themselves. Because, of course, as you remember, Daniel, in the Stop the Steal rallies in November and December in Washington, D.C., and then the big celebration at the White House after the convention, uh, Trump supporters and Republican lawmakers and staffers were routinely attacked by BLM and Antifa rioters and activists throughout the latter half of 2020. So people expected violence that day. They expected that they would be confronted and attacked by leftist activists. And so that's why some of them brought weapons like that and some of them were used against police. Um, in several cases, most cases, because police were the ones who started attacking the protesters first. But that's the handful of the most serious charges. Are there some who are currently in that D.C. gulag, you know, pretrial, without bail? Are some of them there just for disorderly conduct or even trespassing? Um, I mean, they all have sort of the same misdemeanor charges against them, but no, none of them are there just on misdemeanor charges. What DOJ has added to make misdemeanor cases a felony case is this charge called obstruction of an official proceeding. That is a felony punishable by up to 20 years in jail. Of course, it's nonviolent. It's on very thin ice in terms of its uh, legality. You had judges at first saying it had a constitutional vagueness problem. Now, of course, they're saying it's, it's legit. Um, but this is the obstruction charge, 15C2, 1512C2, that Andrew Weissman, of course, Robert Mueller's top dog prosecutor, wanted to charge Donald Trump with related to the special counsel probe. So they now are using this. It was never intended to be used against political prisoners. It's a post-Enron tampering with witnesses and congressional investigation law. Uh, that they've now applied to at least 220 political uh, protesters that day. So that is what then gives judges justification to say mostly misdemeanors. Um, If that count is added, then that justifies keeping detaining them ahead of trial, deeming them a danger to society. Now, these people, do they generally not have prior criminal infractions? Um, Yes, the overwhelming majority have no criminal record. Um, You have, say, I'll say for the D.C. jail, you've got three alleged members of the Oath Keepers. These are men who were charged in, arrested January, February, March. They've been denied bail ever since, repeatedly been denied bail. Um, But they face no violent charges and they have no criminal record, uh, all three of them. Um, You have another man, Timothy Hale Cusinelli who was basically set up by Naval Intelligence. He's an Army reservist who was working at a Naval uh, facility 
when he went to the Capitol, he wore a suit and tie. He walked in. He took some pictures. He went back. Uh, he was he was then set up by an associate who wore a wire. And the Naval Intelligence actually interrogated four dozen of his coworkers to find out his political views. DOJ deemed him a white supremacist. That's actually what they put in the charging documents against him. And he has been held in the D.C. jail since the beginning of February. His trial doesn't start until the end of May. Well, wait, so wait, wait you're the, saying all he did was so he's only charged with which with uh, trespassing? And the obstruction of an official proceeding, the felony. So that is what. Oh, they you're saying that's how they roped in everyone because there was right. a, you know, an election certification process. There was a congressional proceeding going on. So anyone who happened to walk in the building that time got hit with a felony. Right. About 220 of them so far have been hit with that felony. Now, keep in mind, Daniel, too, most of these people, the overwhelming majority entered the building. Some entered through broken windows. They broke windows that they should not have done that. A few hundred are now on security footage shown just walking into the Senate side of the building as five or six Capitol Police officers are standing right there. But what is interesting is this happened after the joint session had recessed. The House adjourned at 212. The Senate adjourned about 220 because they said protesters were entering the building. How can you interfere with an official proceeding that had recessed? So if you entered the building, say, Timothy Hale at 245 or the Oath Keepers entered at 240, how did they obstruct an official proceeding? Nothing was going on. So that's going to be an interesting detail. You already see defense attorneys making this argument in court filings. But when these uh, cases go to trial, how are they going to explain an official proceeding that had, had already been halted and lawmakers evacuated from the chamber? Um, but they don't, you know, the government doesn't have to look ahead at that, right? They've already gotten everything that they've wanted out of this, which is political prisoners. And then the threat to use this same charge against President Trump. And and I just want our listeners to understand that just to give a vivid example of this, and there's hundreds of these examples, whether it's from Portland, Minneapolis, throughout the last number of years, Brayshawn Gibson, he was a man in uh, Minneapolis accused of knocking out a cop during a riot in August 2020. And uh, recently he was sentenced. He, he obviously never had any pretrial holding. Um, he was sentenced to a year of home confinement. This guy, you know, just went behind a mm-hmm. cop, knocked him out with a, I think, a, a metal trash uh, lid. And, and and this happened again and again. And yet we're seeing literally, you know, army uh, veterans, uh, military veterans. All they did was walk in. And by the way, like you mentioned, the I mean, isn't it true that the D.C. police, some of them were fired for letting them in? Now, if you're going to fire them for letting them in, then doesn't that absolve a lot of them from any culpability because they were let in? Well, that's just it. There are um, multiple internal investigations into both D.C. Metro Police and Capitol Police about their conduct that day. Now, what I'm interested in is internal reports and investigations into excessive force and, in some cases, police brutality. Because as I've reported, um, police, of course, Capitol Police, we know one, Michael Byrd, shot Ashley Babbitt, almost at near point-blank range, killing her immediately. Capitol Police and D.C. Police are probably responsible for the death of Roseanne Boylan, who died right outside of this uh, Lower West Tunnel uh, Terrace Tunnel, where a lot of the more uh, physical brawls between police and protesters happen. I interviewed another woman, Victoria White, who was trapped inside that tunnel, who was beaten almost beaten to death by D.C. supervisor. Now, this is all on camera. This is all on surveillance Mm. video. I'm not making it up. This D.C. supervisor bashed her on top of the head at least 13 times with his baton. And when that wasn't doing the trick, he took his fist and punched her directly in the face five times, while another officer next to him repeatedly maced her. Now, she's been charged. Her house was uh, raided in April. She was hauled off to uh, 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 local uh, to the FBI uh, office and charged and faces a number of crimes. But we don't know the identity of the supervisor or the other officer who physically attacked her. 
There were numerous instances of D.C. police and Capitol Police assaulting and attacking protesters, including many who were doing nothing wrong. But we have no reports on that. Now, Daniel, when the trials start, they are going to have to release that information. Uh, And you could see in discovery updates, the DOJ saying that they have these internal reports and they will be releasing them at some point uh, to defense counsel. We haven't really seen those yet, but they can't keep concealing that forever. And so um, the DOJ actually very interestingly in one case of a police, an actual former NYPD officer who was charged with assaulting police officers. He is seen on tape on recordings screaming at officers for attacking Americans. He's calling them commies and he gets in a physical brawl with one of his colleagues, with another police officer. And he testified because I watched for 15 minutes these police officers punch people, kick people, and mace them for no reason. The DOJ does not want anyone to defend themselves by saying they were defending themselves or others against excessive force that day. Now, this is going to be a huge revelation, Daniel, for the American people to see these law enforcement, I use that loosely, these police who took their marching orders from Pelosi and Muriel Bowser, who have been heralded repeatedly as heroes that day, uh, when really most of them were bad actors on January 6th. So that's what I'm trying to figure out. It's almost like there's two separate events that happened that day. On the one hand, the overwhelming number of people, you saw it play out the way we always see kind of a conservative protest, uh, the rare ones that we even have, which is it's very peaceful. Mm -hmm. They were singing. Most people uh, till the very end of the day didn't even know this stuff happened if they weren't kind of near it. Um, and, and, And the police were very cordial with them, which is typically what happens. But then there were elements, and this is what everyone sees repeated over and over again on the news, the footage that appears to be very violent these violent brawls. How, this is what I'm trying to figure out. And I know this is a longer discussion. We only have about 10 minutes here. But to the best mm-hmm. of your ability, give a 30,000-foot 30, view. How much of it was agent pr- provocateur that was planned before um, with agent provocateurs in the crowd, agent provocateurs among law enforcement that somehow knew about this? How much was you know bad actors among the right, right-leaning protesters, some of these organizations – um, and how much was somewhere in the middle where they really didn't mean harm, but then because of the chaos, confusion at best, malfeasance at worst on the part of law enforcement, they started macing them, attacking them for no reason. So then they, they did respond violently in, in, in turn. I think that that is a good combination of what happened. But I will say from the, offset, uh, from the onset, the government in many ways uh, initiated what happened on January 6th. The idea that you have someone like Stuart Rhodes, and I don't want to get too in the weeds, but he is person one in a wide-ranging conspiracy case against the Oath Keepers. He is the founder of the Oath Keepers. We're told the Oath Keepers is a militia group. You have wait, 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 so Stuart Rhodes, let me just bring it up. So, so obviously Stuart Rhodes is being held in solitary confinement, right? You would think. You would <laughs> I mean, think he's, he's the ringleader, but- right? Yes. So where so, is he today? You tell me. He is a free man. He's walking around. He's not been arrested, charged. We are told they took his phone once in May and scrubbed his phone and gave his phone back, which is not happening to any of the defendants who I speak with or cover. So you have person one in the in the government's biggest conspiracy case against a so-called militia group that Christopher Ray considers a domestic terror group. But person one still has not been charged. Of course, Ray Epps has not been charged. And I know that your listeners are familiar with that man. He is seen repeatedly on the 5th and 6th, encouraging people to go into the Capitol. He was on Capitol grounds, obviously violating, trespassing there. He still has not been charged. You see numerous people in videos and um, in photographs, and I've covered this, wearing orange neon caps. They have earpieces in. They've infiltrated with the Proud Boys, another alleged militia group. We know for a fact that there were informants in the Proud Boys because the New York Times has already admitted it. But you see all these people in bright orange caps with earpieces and black caps underneath these knit knee. It looks very strange, but people can go on my Twitter and see it at Julie underscore Kelly, too. I have several photographs of that. Those people have not been charged. So the bigger question now, Daniel, is not so much who has been charged, who hasn't been charged. And how much the FBI 
And there's another bombshell article in Newsweek this week that contradicts directly testimony from Christopher Ray and the acting attorney general that and everyone, basically, that they were caught off guard. They had no intelligence. They had no idea this was going to happen. It's a lie. They had FBI elite forces, hundreds of elite forces stationed at Quantico by January 2nd, deployed hundreds of these FBI agents to the Capitol grounds that morning. They entered the building with this first set of protesters who entered that building. What were they doing? Well, How were well, they wait a minute. You're, you're saying like F- FBI has hostage rescue team. That's right. Hostage rescue. Hostage team. rescue. Now, people like you and me that follow, you know, you know, right politics very closely and are involved in it. We didn't know about any of this. Like, it took us all by surprise. We never knew any of this would happen. We knew some people would protest. Um, conservative mm-hmm. protests never got violent in history. It's never happened. What did they know that we didn't know? Well, what did they know or what did they concoct? <laughs> what were they doing in Quantico, which is the FBI Academy? What was Jeffrey Rosen, the acting DOJ uh, attorney general at that point? Of course, Bill Barr had already left the agency. What were, what were these agents doing? And if if there was a legitimate threat, and I'm going to credit my friend Jack Posobiec for bringing this up, if you had all these elite teams and they were really concerned about a violent attack. Why would you ever let the president speak publicly in a public venue with hundreds of thousands of people in the Capitol? Do you think Jeffrey Rosen, do you think anyone, Chris Ray, briefed the president that they had all these elite teams stationed at Quantico right outside of Washington, D.C., that they thought that there was violent, uh, violent threat? You can guarantee the president knew nothing about it. So this completely undermines the idea that they were really there to prevent or, or protect people from an attack. Instead, you had a wide-ranging FBI operation like we've seen repeatedly, especially over the five years. But this was on steroids. And they deployed these people into the crowds, into the building, onto the ground, still haven't found the pipe bomber they said that they had, you know, um, teams there in case there was an explode, um, some sort of yeah, bomb the pipe threat. bomber. Yeah, whatever happened to him? <laughs> okay, so we could go on obviously for hours, but these are the unanswered questions, and this is the drip, drip, drip <laughs> of information that we're getting, and they're setting <laughs> up now to t- to explain to people. Well, of course we had F- we had hundreds of FBI agents there all day. We were that you know that's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. And it will completely contradict the narrative of the past year, which is that law enforcement, Capitol Police, FBI, et cetera, were caught off guard. They had no idea any of this was going to happen. Wow. But there will have to be a reckoning between those two contradictory narratives at some point. And let's hope, Daniel, you and I share the same level of trust in, in our Republican leadership in Washington. But if they do take over, they need to take over this committee and they need to actually do some uh, truth digging and get the facts and get find out exactly what the government's role is in inciting, prompting, yes. and organizing what happened that day. Yes, and, and, and again, this is not to say that not a single person among the protesters who wasn't an agent provocateur didn't do a single thing wrong at any level. Nope. Um, but what, what it clearly is is that you probably had some, uh, some weirdos and kind of the most fringe elements, and that's right. what agent provocateurs do is they incite them and then uh, none of those guys – to me, I find this astounding because the FBI never catches terrorists. I mean, we found that with the uh, Nashville Christmas bomber, um, anyone, you know, they had so many complaints about the guy, just nothing. They don't they don't know about anyone. Known wolves. But then when it came to this, boy, were these guys good. They hunted down every last person who was there. But then, like you said, some of the most notorious people are missing, and there's no way they don't know where they are. Um, that's exactly right. And so um, that is what we uh, look, Daniel, we have to look no further back than the Whitmer kidnapping caper. And I say that in scare quotes. You now have what we saw is a completely FBI, FBI concocted and executed operation to allegedly kidnap the Michigan governor, Gretchen, Gretchen Whitmer. But what is happening in that case? The government's case is completely falling apart. You have at least one informant or agent per defendant in that case, defense counsel is fighting back, calling this an egregious case of FBI entrapment. 
the top three FBI special agents working out of the Detroit field office have all been removed from the government's witness list. They will not be testifying in March. One, the guy who signed the criminal complaint, the top FBI special agent, has been fired from the FBI because he was arrested and charged for assaulting his wife last summer. Um, you have another informant who is a convicted felon who, convi- who committed two other crimes as he was the lead informant in the Whitmer caper. And he's the man who orchestrated all the optics. The FBI paid for every surveillance trip. They paid for every uh, training camp. They paid for the two so-called national militia conferences where they lured people into this trap. And that trial is scheduled to start in Michigan in March. That is going to be another illuminating backdrop to what this FBI is capable, willing to do to take down political foes and, of course, the uh, announcement of the Gretchen Whitmer, sorry, Whitmer, I know we feel the same way about her, too. Kidnapping plot was announced when? October 8, 2020, just as early voting was underway in the pivotal state of Michigan. They blamed that attempted plot on Donald Trump repeatedly, made national headlines. Another example of the FBI interfering in a presidential election. You cannot tell me that this FBI suddenly was hands off when it came to January 6th. It defies logic, and it actually defies the facts that are emerging, slowly but surely emerging. Again, kind of like with COVID, where in retrospect, they were too prepared to do too many extreme and unprecedented things so quickly. And then that's how we understood, wait a minute, this was in in the makings a long time before. It's a similar dynamic here. I know you got to run parting question does anything about these legal proceedings that you've watched so carefully the past year give you any hope that we could even get a fair trial in these cases? No. Oh, no. Unfortunately, no. The judges are extremely biased, um, even the so-called Republican ones. You have an extremely poisoned um, jury pool in Washington, D.C. I don't know how they're going to find anyone who is objective. Of you, you know, this is a city that runs on politics. When you have the president of the United States calling this an insurrection today, when you have the vice president comparing it to 9-11, when you have Republican Senator Ted Cruz calling it a violent terrorist attack, oh, and we have Merrick Garland standing up there yesterday lying that five police officers died as a result of January 6th, how in the heck are you going to find uh, objective jurors in Washington, D.C.? I have very little hope. Um, But at the same time, the evidence has to come out. So we might not get the justice for the people who have been charged, but it will open up the door for a lot of evidence to completely undermine the initial narrative about what happened on January 6th. Discovery is all we have. And and again, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm on record as saying that there's nothing important about Republicans taking over Congress in terms of legislation and policy that's got to be done in the red state legislatures. But the one thing is, yes, when it comes to the investigative tools, um, hearings and the committee, we need to double down on that. We can't forget, never forget what happened that day. Thank you, Julie, for joining us. And folks, you could find her book on Amazon again. It is um, it, it just came out right. Uh, it did. It just came out uh, this week. So Perfect. January 6th. How, how Democrats used the Capitol protest to launch a war on terror against the political right. So again, folks, that was Julie Kelly of American Greatness, and she's really done good work on this. I would say, you know, on par with what uh, Steve and I have done on COVID fascism. And the thing about politics is politics is not a math. It's not a science. It's not, you know, OK, five is more than three. It's an art. It's understanding a continuity of observations, and you put it all together. And you look at everything they've been doing the last few years, and it's straight-up unrestricted warfare. It's a blood libel. Everything they accuse us of doing, you're dirty, you're spreading the virus, you're killing people, they're doing that. Your insurrection, your attack on democracy, they're doing that. Um, you know, the more we find out about it, see, w- d- undercover operations are legitimate when you have a very large, robust organization that turns out to be problematic, and there's evidence they're doing criminal activity, so you infiltrate the organization. But what you have with these so-called right-wing organizations is 
it's the tail wagging the dog. They're they're saturated with feds and often created by the feds. And you'll have a couple of like weirdo suckers get involved in it, but almost all of them are feds. This is the ultimate case of entrapment. Everything going on. In a vacuum, it doesn't mean nobody broke a window or did anything. But when you take the whole thing in totality, it makes no sense. The whole narrative was, you know, Trump stirred up a lynch mob and they just spontaneously came and attacked the Capitol and and they just weren't ready and couldn't handle it. But then we find out that they were preparing for it for a long time. And like, wait a minute, why would you think there would be a problem? There never, ever was a problem before and never since then either. Notice that. Where are these right-wingers? Where are they? It's funny. But I think one of the most profound things that Julie was uh, was saying is that it's not as bad as it is what they are prosecuting. And again, the, the disproportionate uh, punishment and, and pretrial holding solitary confinement, it's who are they not prosecuting and anyone who they don't you have to presume is a fed because <laughs> that's why they're not being prosecuted this is unrestricted warfare if you do not follow our system you are an untermensch and what they you what they do now is Reichstag moments. Whether it's Floyd, whether it's January 6th, whether it's COVID, oh my gosh, we're all going to die now because of you. And you need to be neutralized. This is not 1933 anymore. This is 1939. And again, just like with COVID, with the exception of a handful of Republicans, handful, They're all on the other side, and evidently now that includes Ted Cruz. Think about the witch hunt against ivermectin, life-saving drugs, unrestricted warfare, rules and laws don't apply. You could just attack an FDA-approved drug. I haven't gotten a chance to get into this, but um, there's a New Hampshire family that's being persecuted. Their, Their son was taken away from them. Because they used ivermectin to treat him. He got sick and they accused it of being ivermectin and it was really some other genetic condition. That's a whole nother story. I don't have time for today. But we can get to get into it another time. This is really scary. You have the New York Attorney General now sending letters randomly to doctors issuing a cease and desist order against them prescribing life-saving COVID medication. And by the way, there's no evidence that any of them even prescribed in New York. What they did is they went on the FLCC's website, and they have a list of affiliated doctors, and seven cells is a part of it. So they, they sent seven cells a cease and desist order for prescribing ivermectin. Laws don't matter. And the lesson of all of this is what? That you cannot live harmoniously with these people. They are evil. They are demonic. They don't just seek our political demise. They seek our physical demise. They seek to criminalize our conscience, our views, our way of life, our existence, our body, our breathing. You can't get around that. This is not even Obama-era Democrats anymore. And what needs to happen is we need to make red states into the sanctuaries for liberty that they currently aren't. And just like we needed on COVID fascism, we need a sanctuary for for things like this. That when the FBI goes after people for their political views and First Amendment hunts people down for merely singing God Bless America on the Capitol steps... State governors have an obligation to say, we will arrest FBI agents that come down. What what ultimately needs to happen is state troopers need to line up 
around the house of people like um what's her name Vicky Vicky White um that Julie was talking about she was beaten there were people that were even trying to stop the violence remember those videos that that man saying what are you doing cops why aren't you stopping this violence and then someone trying to stop the violence one of them I happen to know. She's from Minnesota. And initially the FBI said, hey, you're good. We know what you were doing. You were trying to get them off. And then months later, they raided her home. This is not okay. The FBI is the true terrorist organization here. The FBI cannot be reformed. The FBI does no good when we actually need them. The FBI needs to be fully abolished. But for now, they need to be neutralized. And finally, this speaks to one issue that I think we need to really grow. This was from Sheriff Lamb. Sheriff Lamb said this. I used to have him on my show. He's a Pinal County, Arizona sheriff. We need a citizen's posse. Because what we've learned from this is that if you try to form your own militia, the feds will infiltrate it, prosecute it, you kill you. But we need under the color of law with the blessing of like a governor like DeSantis and have, for example, Florida rural county sheriffs deputize their own people, train them. So not just to fight the crime and insurrection, the true insurrection that we have, but also to serve as a bulwark against tyranny. Tyranny when the feds come a-knocking. Folks, we do have terrorism going on in this country. We do have threats to democracy. And it's coming from the very people who are pointing those fingers. Now, before we close up today, I just want to plug again um, the COVID clinic humanitarian care that we're setting up, Hope Clinic USA, run by Dr. Eric Henson in Palestine, Texas. So many of you have benefited from his services, often for free. A lot of you have asked me how to repay him. Well, the way to repay him is allowing him to help other people um, if you go to texascoviddoctor.com, it will take you to Dr. Henson's Give, Send, Go uh, crowdsourcing page. Uh, we're trying to raise at least $50,000 for now to pay for some machines and supplies, ozone machine, hyperbaric oxygen chambers, so we could help um, save people that literally are on, on the verge of crashing and have to go to the hospital. He has saved so many lives. He is the answer. Um, on so many levels in, in, in healthcare, we need it on law enforcement. We need it on many other fronts. But again, TexasCovidDoctor.com. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.